Hey everyone, I'm Dominique. And I'm Heidi. Welcome to More Grats. We're glad you decided to waste some time with us. Where are we recording, Heidi? We are recording from the old casket room this time. This is the last place I can think of that would be an interesting place to record. We'll have to go on rotation, but let's just rotate between the chapel and the casket room. I don't like being in the prep room. I don't blame you because that's pretty gross. I think that's a good idea. Before we start, we want to remind you that we are talking about death. If you are easily offended by rude humor and foul language or are particularly sensitive to discussions about death, you may want to pass on this podcast. We are wildly inappropriate at times, but that comes directly from growing up in a funeral home. The way we insulate ourselves is by humor, and for us, it's a lot better to laugh even when you feel like crying. This episode is going to be a little different because for our death story, we chose something that is rare, so there isn't a whole lot of information on it, but it tied tied in nicely to our funeral home story. Today, we are going to talk about cases in which people have died of fright or literally been scared to death. Our funeral home story isn't about growing up in the funeral home, but it's about our experience in a legit haunted house. As always, if any of this makes you uncomfortable, please skip this episode. That said, welcome to episode three, Scared to Death. So Heidi, you're walking down a dark alley when suddenly a shadowy form jumps out from behind a corner and screams, BOOM! A tingly surge zooms through your body and your heart feels like a beating boulder inside your chest. It's only me playing tricks on you again, but still you scream, you scared me to death. That phrase gets thrown around all the time, but did you know it is actually possible to be scared to death? It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. And the reason is fairly simple. Your heart can't stand the strain. Have you ever experienced a fright so bad that that tingly feeling courses through your body? Yeah, every morning when I get that first look in the mirror. (laughs) No, but actually just the other day I was driving by the school and a kid ran out in the road right in front of me and I got that tingly feeling. That's the worst. Well, that's adrenaline, a hormone that triggers our fight or flight response. Adrenaline is a good thing because it helps us clobber that would-be mugger, run from a knife-wielding serial killer, or gives us superhuman strength to lift cars off people. But when you have an adrenaline surge, calcium channels in the membranes of the heart cells open. Calcium rushes in and this causes the heart muscle to contract. So the more adrenaline, the more calcium, and pretty soon the muscle can't relax. You basically die of a heart attack. The cases I found are vague, so no names or ages because most of the information came from medical journals and you know, that whole HIPAA thing. But I found a couple, like the case of a physically healthy young woman who was in the hospital and undergoing psychotherapy. While under hypnosis, old fears she had repressed began to surface. The exper- she experienced extreme fear and she died. Her autopsy was negative, which I guess means there was no disease or anything they could attribute to her death, but doctors concluded she had died of fright. Yikes. And did you know, if you are the scarer and the scary dies, you could be in big trouble. In 2008, a man broke into an elderly woman's home because he was trying to hide from the police. When the 79-year-old woman saw him, she died of terror. And even though he never laid a hand on her, he was charged with first-degree murder. 
because he was responsible for her death. Was he convicted? What happened? I, I don't know what happened in that case. Okay, well, let's face it. Our pool of research is so shallow, we'd probably break our necks if we <laughs> dove in. That's for sure. <laughs> and also, there are cases of perfectly healthy children who have died on amusement park rides. So maybe just keep the littles off the hammerhead. I think that's probably a good idea. And on a more personal note, we remember our grandmother who was also in the funeral business and she told us a story about a person who died in a car accident. The accident was such that the person had time to think about it and knew it was coming but couldn't do anything about it. So we're not sure if the person died as a result of the accident or if they died from fright, but grandma said the look of fear was frozen on their face. Yeah, that image haunted grandma for years. For this episode's death story, we are going to talk about a very strange case that happened during the 1980s. Now, we've all seen A Nightmare on Elm Street, or at least heard of it, but did you know Wes Craven drew his inspiration from real-life events? There was a child who survived the genocide in Cambodia. As a result of his experiences, he was terrified to go to sleep for fear something would attack him in his dreams. The boy tried and tried to stay awake. When he finally grew so tired and fell asleep, his parents thought this would be the end of it. You know, the kid would wake up in the morning and realize he was okay, so maybe this would end the fear. But sure enough, his parents heard him screaming in the middle of the night, and by the time they got to him, the child was dead, scared to death. Oh my God, how horrible. Yeah, but this dying in your sleep because you're scared to death was not an isolated case. In fact, it happened to enough young men of Asian descent to make public health experts say, what the fuck? Actually, I doubt those were their exact words, but... <laughs> well, many of the victims were refugees from Laos, which is a country in Southeast Asia. The Hmong ethnic group is a minority group in Laos, and over 30,000 of them were recruited by the CIA to help fight North Vietnamese soldiers during the Vietnam, Vietnam War. When the war ended in 1975, the Hmong people were persecuted because they were looked upon as traitors. Many of them fled to Thailand or the United States. As you can imagine, these refugees had endured all kinds of horribleness. And even though their lives were somewhat better in their new countries, they were still under much stress, both from their present and past situations. And nightmares are hard to outrun. In 1981, a Laotian refugee died in his sleep, apparently from fright. He was the fourth Hmong man in nine months to die while sleeping and the 13th since 1978. Doctors were at a loss as to why these men were dying. They considered the effects of nerve gas, but quickly discarded that theory. They said, nerve gas doesn't act that way, and besides, why only males and why only at night? This ailment was given the name Sudden Unexplained Nocturnal Death Syndrome. There is no explanation why it affects Southeast, Southeast Asians, particularly the Hmong group. That is super weird. In Japan, they call this phenomenon Pukuri, and it is estimated that up to 1,000 young men in their 20s and 30s die from it in a typical year. Holy shit, that's a lot. Yeah. In the Philippines, it's known as Bungungat. Southeast Asian tradition warns of deaths preceded by nightmares. They believe it is punishment by the spirits of their ancestors for leaving the homeland or for not having the correct things to perform the right rituals or a combination of both. Whether the ailment is caused by the delayed effects of nerve gas, some undetected flaw in the heart, or by long dead ancestors scaring you to death, no one knows for sure. Sweet dreams. <laughs> I got my information from psychnet.apa.org, scientificamerican.com, and history.com. 
Are you ready to get into our funeral home story that isn't really a funeral home story? Yes, I am. And even though it's not a growing up in the funeral home story, it's still about our experiences. That's true. That's true. Well, I woke up the other day to a text from our brother. Now, he, he's a mortician and owns a funeral home in another town. It's not uncommon for him to text me and ask if my husband or I can cover for him or just tell me a super juicy story about what's going on at his funeral home. This is what the text said. Holy shit, I just got back from a death call and this woman was 500 pounds as she was an ounce. She died in her trailer home and the rescue unit had to cut open the side of her trailer just so we could get her out. Bunions and Fritos littered the floor along with cockroaches, ants, and mice. Oh, and she had a half-eaten Twinkie in her mouth. Luckily, she hadn't been dead too long and she barely fit in the body bag. But she did rip the most rancid fart when we rolled her into the bag. Then it hit me. It's your birthday. Love you, sis. <laughs> but he had you going until the end, right? I mean, that's a totally believable story coming from a funeral director. Well, particularly someone in our family. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. It's a believable story. Walls of houses have had to be knocked down to get people out, and it's not uncommon for there to be critters running around, especially if it's a hoarder house. Hoarder house. Okay, that is a whole nother episode. But what about the... Toot. Do they really do that? <laughs> I can't believe you still say toot. You mean fart? No, I call them toots. The other word's disgusting. Okay. Well, yes, they fart all the time. Gross. Okay. So, yes, I recently had a birthday. Birthdays are a big deal. It's a day to commemorate a person's entrance into the world and for family and friends to celebrate the importance of that person in their lives. And that they're still around. I know that sounds weird, but in our family, we are acutely aware that each day could be your last. That's true. Every birthday, every holiday, every time we get together, I always take a minute to look around and absorb a memory. And I always say to myself, this, this, this could be the last time we're all together. Yes. Yes. Well, a lot of people probably think that's morbid, but I guess that's what happens when you grow up around death. Birthday presents can be unique in our family as well. One year, my husband gave me a goldfish, but he is very creative, so this fish wasn't in a regular bowl. The tank he used was an old embalming machine that was collecting dust in the prep room. <laughs> I remember that. It was so cool. Sorry about your fish. Yeah. yeah, the motor heated up the water, so the fish died. But you, you gave me a really awesome gift for one of my monumental birthdays. Yes, yes, yes. Tell everyone how awesome I am. <laughs> so you and mom walk into my house and hand me a note. The note was full of riddles, which I'm horrible at anyway. But and these weren't just regular riddles. These were really disturbing, kind of like from the movie Saw. The clock was ticking, and I had to figure out all these fucking riddles. I was so stressed out. Well, yeah, because that contraption we put on your head was going to rip your face apart if you didn't hurry up. <laughs> anyway, at the end, it was obvious we were going somewhere, and I had five minutes to pack a bag. You guys weren't telling me anything like... Do I need warm clothes, bathing suits, passport? I'm thinking we're going to some exotic place. And we did, but it was way better than Hawaii or Mexico. Where'd you take me? Alcatraz. Yes, and it was amazing. We got to walk around the island, see Al Capone's cell, look into the hole, go to the cafeteria where lots of inmates were killed, and see the escape route the Anglin brothers took. It was very interesting and kind of creepy, but I, I guess Alcatraz is supposed to be haunted, but I didn't find it scary. Because you're a tough girl. <laughs> I'm a bad bitch. The trip was amazing. Thanks for that, by the way. 
Not to be outdone, what did you do for my monumental birthday three years later? Two and a half, let's be clear, two and a half years later. Well, I couldn't let your monumental birthday pass with just a card, so I surprised you with the trip. Mm, wait a minute, you didn't actually surprise me. You had to let the cat out of the bag because you needed help booking flights. Well, I'm not good with technology. It's literally reading and clicking. Not hard. <laughs> Whatever. Moving on, where did we go for your birthday? You took me to the Velisca Axe Murder House, but not just to visit. We got to spend the night. Probably the best bit gift you've ever gotten, huh? Yep, so far. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, the Velisca Axe Murder House is in Velisca, Iowa. In June of 1912, two adults and six children were massacred with an axe while they slept. The victims were prominent businessmen, Josiah Moore and his wife, Sarah, their children, Herman, Catherine, Boyd, and Paul, and two friends of Catherine's, Lena and Ina Stillinger. The children ranged in age from five to 12. It's so sad, sad for everyone, but especially Lena and Ina. Talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Totally. And I'm not sure if the sleepover was a planned thing or if it was spur of the moment. There was a children's day service at the Presbyterian church where all the kids put on some kind of performance. It didn't get over until 9.30 and the Stillinger girls had asked if they could just stay the night with Catherine rather than walk home. The family and their guests were all settled in by 10.30 and everyone quickly fell asleep. Little did they know, someone was hiding in the attic. The murderer had taken an axe from the Moore family's own backyard, which is the weapon used to kill all the people inside the little house at 508 East 2nd Street. Even though there were suspects, the case remains unsolved. The Reverend Lynn George Jacqueline Kelly was tried in two separate trials, but he was acquitted both times. Why? What, what do you think is, what was his defense? Did he say it was an accident? <laughs> but can we talk about the four pound slab of bacon the killer apparently pleasured himself with? That would have been great in last week's episode. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> if people want to know about this case, there are lots of podcasts that take a deep dive. But we're going to talk about our overnight experience in the supposedly very haunted Velisca Axe Murder House. Hey Dominique, what does the axe murderer say when he's in a hurry? Chop, chop! chop. <laughs> Uh, first off, I want to make it clear that I am not a believer in ghosts. I want to believe, I keep an open mind, but nothing's ever happened to me that makes me believe. What about you? Um, I'm a complete skeptic. It just doesn't make any logical sense to me. If it's not tangible, it's not real. You think growing up in a funeral home, we would have had lots of experiences with the paranormal, but nothing has ever happened to either one of us. Yeah, I have never been scared in the funeral home, ever. I've never heard anything or seen anything. Me too, but after spending the night in the Velisca house, it's hard for me to say that there isn't something on the other side. I'm just having a hard time reconciling my belief system to what happened in Velisca because I know what I experienced. Also, we are not paranormal investigators. We have no desire to record ghost voices. We don't have any high-end equipment. Kind of like this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we go to these places purely for entertainment and our own sick amusement to be in places where shitty things have happened. So what happened at the Axe Murder House? We're about to tell you. Heidi's daughters, Daphne and Peyton, went along. We had to fly to Omaha, Nebraska, rent a car, and drive about an hour to Velisca. Now, you have a January birthday, so it was very cold and snowy. Not just cold. It was zero degrees with a high of seven. <laughs> Since it was a short trip, we didn't pack suitcases. We only took carry-ons, but we knew it was going to be cold. So those carry-ons were packed with blankets, leggings, sweats, sweatshirts. 
the ski jackets, winter boots, and one penny. <laughs> you get the picture? <laughs> You like your list. <laughs> but the most important item we packed was Cards, Cards Against Humanity. Before going to the murder house, we stopped at a convenience store to get all the necessities like chips and candy and Red Bull. Originally, we didn't want to get drinks because we knew if we had to pee, we'd have to leave the house and go to a separate building. And no one wanted to do that. But we had to stay awake, so we had to get Red Bull. But why a separate building, you ask? Well, as if it wasn't going to be miserable enough being in Iowa in the middle of winter, we knew the house had no electricity, so no heat, and no running water, so no toilet. Yeah, it was like camping, but in the winter, so horrible times two. <laughs> we found the house easily. It's right on a corner. And the humongous Axe Murder House sign is a dead giveaway. We arrived at the house at midday, and as soon as we got out of the car, a black cat started weaving its way between our legs. It was a cute, friendly cat, but the greeting was a little eerie. We were met at the house by the caretaker, a very nice name, man named John. He took us through the back door because the front doors are not in use and they are locked. That will be important later. John gave us a little history on the place, refreshed our memories about the murders, and told us what the rules were. Yeah, no smoking, leave the house in the same condition as you found it, take your trash with you. Well, of course I'm going to take my trash with me. She's my sister and she <laughs> paid for the trip. <laughs> <laughs> he also told us what other people had experienced, like balls rolling across the floor, sounds in the attic, people getting locked in the closet in the kids' room, and other weird things. And he told us of one visitor who felt compelled to stab himself in the chest, but John didn't know if that was the ghost or if the guy just did it for attention. Well, we left our knives at home. Unlike our dad when he travels, side story, our dad loves his Swiss Army knife and carries it with him wherever he goes. One time, he went on a trip and forgot to take it out of his pocket. Well, of course, he couldn't take it through security. The TSA officer was nice enough not to confiscate it and told Dad he could mail it back home if he wanted. The guy gave him an envelope but said Dad would need to go buy a stamp and pointed him in the direction of the stamp machine. So Dad decided to get out of line and go mail the knife to himself rather than buy a new one. Anyway, Dad tells us he'll meet us at the gate. When he comes back, we asked if he got the knife mailed off and he starts cussing and he says, No! And now I need a goddamn belt because of all these goddamn quarters weighing down my pockets. <laughs> He'd gone to a change machine, not a stamp machine. So the knife never made it back home. But we cleaned out the condom machines. Of course we did. What else are we going to do with all those quarters? <laughs> our dad is super funny. He's kind of like a celebrity in our small town. Anyway, once John left, we nosed around the house, checking out all the rooms. It felt strange being in a house where you knew people were slaughtered. We tried to get the children's ghosts to play with some of the toys people had left behind, but they were being shy or were just ignoring us. Well, after a while, we settled in to watch one of the movies Daphne had downloaded on her laptop. We chose a horror movie, of course. And this is when the first weird thing happened. Out of the blue, my head was swimmy. I felt unsteady and a bit queasy. And it was, you know, it was a euphoric feeling that felt like I was like higher drunk. Yeah, the last time I saw you like that was your daughter's bachelorette party. <laughs> <laughs> but we weren't freaked out at all. In fact, it was still light outside. No one was scared. I just shook it off, not knowing why that feeling came over me, but certainly not thinking it was anything supernatural or paranormal. When it started to get dark, we went upstairs and got comfy in the kids' room. 
We laid out our blankets, broke out the snacks, and started playing a round of cards against humanity. We even dealt cards for the kids so they could play with us too. They won a few hands. Yeah, they did. You yeah. know, we were being really nice to them, and they didn't even so much as roll a ball back to us. Well, you, yeah, and you think that they'd be taught to respect their elders. <laughs> Probably because we wouldn't be their elders, Dominique. All those kids are way older than us. Okay, but if you believe in this sort of thing, aren't they still children? I mean, you don't age when you die, right? Yeah, I guess you're okay, right. You're right. Anyway, while we were playing, Heidi decided to take a video so we could remember the layout of the room. All of a sudden, Peyton becomes pale and she says she doesn't feel good. Then she described the same feeling I had earlier, the dizziness, queasiness, but kind of euphoric. Later, when we reviewed the photos, it became clear why. Eventually, we had to go to the bathroom, which meant we had to leave the house and go to another building. No one was scared other than it was just you know, other than just being a little uneasy about being a in a murder house. Daphne didn't even go. We left her in the house alone. And I can't stress enough how normal everyone felt, other than it was just kind of creepy overall. We didn't think anything of going to the bathroom next door. I mean, we didn't want to because it was fucking cold outside. Well, it wasn't any colder outside than it was in the house. Well, yeah, that's true. But Daphne stayed in the house by herself. That's how unaffected we were. One thing we should have brought more of was flashlights. We only had one, and Heidi and Peyton and I took it to the bathroom, which left Daphne with zero light. And we were gone a long time. Yeah, a long time. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I think the freezing cold weather paralyzes your butthole. Well, yeah. <laughs> the whole neighborhood probably heard me yell, Pitch it off, Peyton! <laughs> We came back to the house. Daphne was sitting in the attic in complete darkness. Heidi, brave or stupid? Brave. 100% brave. <laughs> well, we were tired of trying to make things happen, so we just laid on the beds and talked, and then something happened. Yeah, the text. Yeah. All of a sudden, my phone starts blowing up. It's from a number I don't recognize, and the texts say, look in the closet, and we're coming to get you. That sort of thing. Well, it didn't scare us. We knew there was a logical explanation. Turns out, Dominique's husband gave her number to one of his friends and told them to scare us. You know what your husband is? What? He's a pain in the ass. <laughs> Sometimes, yep. <laughs> Eventually, we watched another movie, some dumb rom-com. That's when another truly, truly weird thing happened. We were all sitting on the bed, not touching, when I felt pressure on my leg. It felt exactly like someone was leaning on me. Yeah, you said, guys, I feel something, but no one was touching you. That started to creep me out. We really tried to stay awake, but we were getting tired. Around 3 a.m., Peyton looks at me and whispered, did you hear that? And I did. There was knocking in the closet and in the walls. Of course, we looked in the closet, but there was nothing there. Okay, at this point, Peyton and I are really starting to get scared. Okay, I'd say Daphne and I weren't scared, but we were hyper aware. We were scared. <laughs> Eventually, Daphne and I fell asleep, probably because of that stupid movie. The next thing I know, I'm being shaken awake and told we need to leave right now. What happened, Heidi? Well, <laughs> I'm breathing heavy just thinking about it. <laughs> uh, Peyton and I were scared. I already said that. So we couldn't go to sleep. It's now about 5 a.m. and we were huddled up on one of the beds. Then we both looked at each other and said in unison, did you hear that? Footsteps. They were very distinct, heavy footsteps, like someone was wearing boots. It was like someone had walked in the front door, walked through the living room, and into the kitchen. Now remember, the front doors, there are two of them, are locked and they have furniture in front of them. And we didn't hear a door open or close, plus the one we did use to go out to the room with the 
uh, barn with the bathroom in it, we had locked that one when we came back in. So the footsteps came out of nowhere. Then we, they started coming up the stairs. <laughs> now, if only one of us heard them, you could say, oh, it's in your head. But we both heard the same thing at the same time. I know what I heard. Heidi and Peyton are loud whispering to Daphne and me that we have to grab our stuff and get out. So we leave at around 5.05 .05 in the morning. <laughs> I can't tell you how relieved I was to get in the car and pull away from that house. We did drive by the Presbyterian Church just so we could see how far the Moore family had to walk that night. And it wasn't far, it was only a few blocks. When we got to Omaha, we stopped at an IHOP to have breakfast. Heidi starts reviewing the photos and when she came to the video of the room, there was a brief flash of light. So we looked at the video frame by frame and a streak of light was slamming into Peyton's head, like an orb, that's what the ghost hunters call it. Anyway, that was the exact moment she felt odd. My videos and photos also captured some other orbs in the bedroom and in the stairway. Well, I can't help but wonder if an orb crashed into me as well when we were downstairs that first time. But we're going to put those photos on our Facebook and Instagram pages so you guys can see for yourselves. Our Facebook page is Morgrats and our Instagram is Pod. And just so you know, we're not talented enough to doctor photos, so they're real. Definitely go check them out. So what do you think? Is the place haunted or not? I hate to say it, but I know what I heard and I'm not one who believes in shit like this, but I know it's haunted. What about you? Well, I wish I could have heard it from Maybe myself. Maybe you should have stayed awake, you loser. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will believe you when you say it's haunted because I know you and I know what a skeptic you are. And those things that happened to me, though weird, might still be explainable. Uh, yeah, they were ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> so our verdict on the Velisca Axe Murder House is that it is haunted. Definitely haunted. But do you think you could have been scared to death in there? Oh, probably if we'd stayed till 5.07. <laughs> <laughs> But that's going to do oh, it hold for on, the... Oh, hold on, hold on. I have one more axe joke. Okay. So little Johnny walks into the bathroom while his mom is taking a bath. When he sees her privates, he you, says... You, you mean her vagina. Gross. I'm not saying that word. Oh, my God. Anyway, he sees her privates. He says, Mommy, what's that? Well, the mom, being caught off guard and wanting to protect her young son's innocence, he says, she says, Oh, Johnny, that's where I fell on the axe. Little Johnny says, Owie, Mommy, right on your cunt? <laughs> podcast hey we warned them <laughs> thanks for listening we appreciate it remember be kind every day is above ground is a good one but finally keep, keep on breathing, breathing.